1 through 4, as Pastor mentioned, uh, next Saturday. Uh, if you have a teenager, we'd love for him to come out. Uh, we're going to be passing out these door hangers. Uh, Ashley did a great job designing them. We're partnering with the Newburgh uh, Fish Emergency Service Food Bank, and uh, from 10.30 to 12.30, we're going to be passing these out in uh, several neighborhoods in Sherwood, and it tells them to leave their donations the following Saturday, and uh, the following Saturday we'll pick them up. So uh, if you have a teenager, love for them to be there. We will stop at McDonald's at the end uh, and be back to the church by 12.30. First Samuel chapter 17 uh, verses 1 through 4, there are Bibles there in the chair back in front of you, and the verse will appear on the screen uh, as well. Those who are able, if you'll stand at this time for the reading of God's Word. 1 Samuel chapter 17 says, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and were gathered together at Shokach, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between uh, Shokach and Ezekiah in Eph. I'm sure I'm way off on that. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Eli and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and the Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Let's have a word of prayer. And dear Lord, I thank you for this uh, great day we've given to you. So as we're, as we're covering David's journey through the Psalms, tonight we'll talk about this, the giant slayer, and what is about to unfold in David's life, and um, how he had no idea where these steps would lead. But uh, let's pray, and we'll, uh, we'll jump right in. Lord, we ask for your help and your favor, guide and direct our words, our thoughts, we pray, and we ask for you to speak to us. Lord, we sure are grateful for the opportunity to have a place like this to come. It's great to see the fruit of the labor of moms and dads and influence in the lives of young people like we just saw. And I pray you'd bless our church, bless these people, these families. God, would you work in their hearts and thank you for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you long to do. Help us now again, we ask and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Notice, if you would, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, I'll put it on the screen here in front of you. Now, we, there's so much in that story. That story is just, it, 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 I'm sure it's not the richest story in the Bible, but it's pretty loaded. Um, as David, uh, everything that happens in David's life, you know, and he tells us all about this, and now he's retelling this account. And uh, he was sent to the battle, Valley of Elah. How many of you went with us to the Holy Land? Okay, so you remember the Valley of Elah, and it was pretty easy how you could see that description and the brook, and uh, everybody picked up the exact stone that David used to kill Goliath, and everybody had handfuls of them, and uh, we're bringing those back uh, in their luggage and uh, all of that. But nonetheless, so David is sent by his father to check on the welfare of his brethren, and they're ready and staged for battle. And he's basically on a... Uh, uh, he's, he's doing a, a grub run, okay? That's what he's doing. And he's bringing some bread and cheese, and he arrives and just checking on things, and they begin to scold him. And hey, we know why you're here. And uh, so he's, he's misjudged, and his motives are, are wrongly uh, estimated, even by his own brethren. And uh, they said, we know the haughtiness of your heart. We know why you're, you came. You're very arrogant, proud, little squirt, and we don't like you. And so you see that sibling rivalry 
But by the way, um, think about how, how tough David must have been anyway. I guarantee this wasn't the first time he told about the lion and the bear. Um, they knew that, but nonetheless, you see that angst that exists. And so, in this particular passage, as we see uh, the first thought, uh, notice the words on the screen there. And David said unto Saul, <coughs> so now he's talking to the king. Saul is the king, and they're looking for somebody to defeat Goliath. Goliath's standing out there nine feet, six inches tall. That's amazing. And uh, he had some brothers too, the, the brethren of Gath, and they were uh, um, this, just... just uh, a rough, a rough family. Man, can you imagine those dudes with their own uh, basketball team? But nonetheless, David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. There came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. He says this so matter-of-factly, you know, hey, just, just so you know, uh, this lion came and I rescued uh, the lamb and killed him accordingly. Then, verse 36, thy servants slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw, and this is significant right here, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go and the Lord be with thee. So, in David's journey through the psalm, the giant slayer, the first thing that we see, and we'll see this as we turn to the parallel passage, so I'd like you to keep your Bibles open. We're going to turn to Psalm 9. Psalm 9 was written, and again, these are all approximations by, and you can read from multiple sources, and you'll find a pretty good harmony, but there might be somewhere there is a question as to the exact timing. So we're not saying this is exactly, but it's more than likely pretty much around this time frame. So uh, we see uh, David's journey through the psalm, the giant slayer. And the first thing that we notice is God's preparation. God's preparation. Now, keeping your Bibles open to Psalm 9, we're going to show you a few verses here along the way. But one of the things that is so significant about this story as he's about to face in that classic example uh, between good and evil, right and wrong, and here's David, here's Goliath, and it's, uh, in fact, even the world uses the David and Goliath story, I mean, because they talk about it, and it's, it's the underdog, and it's, uh, everybody loves an underdog, and that's what's happening here. But, but what is real significant is God's preparation, because when God sent the lion, when he sent the bear, it was all because Goliath was coming. Sometimes we think, why is God putting this into my life? Why is this happening in my life? If I were God, I would not have ordered this. If I were God, I would not have put this this way. Or I would have figured out some kind of remedy. And everybody in here, the Bible says, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Sometimes we think, well, man, I just wish there was no trouble. I wish uh, everything was rosy and everything was smooth sailing, but that's not how life works. And so what we find sometimes is, we, we expect God since we're saved and uh, assuming we are. And uh, uh, I wouldn't say that everybody is. I don't know. But I'll, for sake of argument and illustration, we're saved. And so since we're saved, God's going to kind of smooth out all the rough patches and he's going to kind of take care of everything. But what you have to remember is that God is always preparing you and he's always paving the way out in front of you. A lot of times you don't understand why God's doing this. Much of the Christian life does not make sense this side. It just doesn't. And as you look through things in Scripture, you know, Joseph had no idea until the other side, God meant it for good. He didn't say that statement when he was in prison. 
when he's in prison, he, you know, he's telling, he's telling the dreams of the butler and the baker, right? Of course, think about everything that happened leading up to the, Joseph's uh, time there. I mean, he's sold by his brethren. I mean, how, you know, how, that, that's not an everyday thing, right? You may have a squabble between your siblings, but they don't, you know, typically they don't sell you up the river, literally, or across the sand, as it were. And then they took his garment and they covered it with an animal's blood. And man brought that terrible deception in the house that, hey, dad, see if this is his garment, whether or not we can't tell. Yeah. No wonder Jacob always said, me have you bereaved. In other words, he, he knew something was wrong in their entire story. But nonetheless, that's what he was saying. And so here's Joseph and all of these things are happening and he gets brought up and finally into Potiphar's house. He's got a good position, probably good job, well cared for. And all of a sudden, Potiphar's wife lies about him, and he's thrown into jail. And it's just one thing after another. And when he gets into jail, he's telling the story. I don't deserve to be here, which is everybody's story when they're in jail, I think. Um, Right? I've been in jail a few times um, as a visitor, okay? I just thought I'd throw that out there. But uh, I remember going on a couple occasions with uh, revival meetings back when we were in Kentucky, and, and every guy I ever met, you know, I shouldn't be here. You know, it's so-and-so. But Joseph, really, that was his story. I should not be here. I should be at home with my dad, but my brethren sold me out. So anyway, that story goes all the way through, and then you have this. He gets to the other side, and he understands God meant it for good. Do you understand that's exactly what David is saying here? He's not bragging because he took a lion and a bear. He's stating his claim on why God is able to deliver him now because he's done it already in the past. And so what you and I face in this life, first of all, it's never about us, but it is always God preparing you for something. And most of what the preparation is, it's not for you anyway. You and I would have to say, looking at some, for instance, looking at the life of Job, we'd have to say that wasn't for Job. Because we find out in the New Testament, you've heard of the patience of Job. Well, how did you hear about that? Well, it wasn't because of Job. It wasn't for his benefit. He was already, there wasn't anybody like him on the planet anyway, one that feared God and eschewed evil. He was head and shoulders, spiritually speaking, above everybody else. And yet God brought all that into his life. Why? To help you today. To help me today. To help you next week, next month, when you're going through some hardship. And when things are stacked up against you, and you want to say, as a Jacob, all these things are against me. When you want to say, as a Job, it was, good, it was a bad day when they said a man-child is born. It's better for me that I was never born. And men and, and women, traditionally in history, when those things come at them, that's the response that we have. What David is saying now, as he's about to step out and face Goliath, is this was all part of God's preparation. So whatever is happening in your life, understand this, it's not about you. And secondly, there's something coming down the pike, and God's getting you ready for it. And uh, it, it, I guarantee if we started at the platform, went all the way through here, everybody could talk about some tough times in their life, some, some times when the sailing was through choppy waters, maybe even right now. Probably in a crowd this size, there's someone right now, and you're going through some unknown waters. And you're kind of scratching your head, you know, hey, I'm trying to serve God, doing the best I can, trying to live right. I'm tithing, I'm, I'm serving, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And then, wham, what is this? Well, you have to take the same approach spiritually that these men did. Does that mean we always do? No, because a lot of times we'll scratch our head. By the way, there's nothing wrong with ever asking why. The problem is when we get aggravated at God because we don't get an answer. 
Remember, when Saul was on the road to Damascus, he said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And God didn't answer him. He didn't. He, didn't. he said, arise and go in the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. In other words, I'll tell you later. And most of life is a I'll tell you later moment. That's the way God deals. So the first thing that we see is God's preparation. Then notice, if you would, in Psalm 9. Psalm 9, verse, uh, let's see, let's go to verse number 1, I think it is. Verse number 1, I'll put it on the screen there. I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. Verse 11, sing praises to the Lord, which dwelleth in Zion, declare among the people his doings. One of the things that uh, we see not only after the preparation, but we see God's praise. When David killed Goliath, there were a lot of people, remember what what the song was? Saul has slain his thousands, David what? But that's not David's song. It's, it's, it, that's significant. Because what you have to remember is just because everything is going great in your life, don't sit there and puff your chest out and think, man, I am really somebody. That's not what David's doing, by the way. Because remember, David's getting ready to go into hiding. He's going to start running for his life, hiding in the caves. Because he realizes that Saul doesn't like those songs. He likes the first one, Saul has slain his thousands, but the sequel is a real booger for him. David, his ten thousands. That one's a problem. And that one topped him on the list. You know, it was on the iTunes list way above Saul's. Okay, so he was really, really disappointed about that. But David never sang that song. The Bible doesn't say those were David's words. The Bible says that's what the, the gals were singing. That's even more insulting to Saul, who was king. What David said was, I'm going to tell you right now, I realize all of this preparation, but one thing I know is that my praise will continually be in, his praise will continually be in my mouth. There's several lessons about that. Uh, first of all, um, we, we talk about and we think about those things that are most important to us. For instance, if I, if I asked you what is near and dear to your heart, most people don't have to think very, very hard. They know. Now, usually, many times, it'll be a relationship. They'll think of someone or a person. But beyond that, even, we start thinking about, well, my interest or my hobbies or my pursuits, and we'll start listing all of those things. Those things are very near, very dear, very important, and we don't mind talking about But David said, I I don't want to stop. I will ever be, ever be praising God for, for what he just did. There's no record of scripture in Scripture of David taking credit for killing Goliath. That's pretty interesting. Because, you know, I, I think that would have been my new profile pic. I'm just saying, I'm just, I, I don't know. I'm just sitting sling, stone, right here. That's my new profile. And then I'd also add this as a picture. You know what I'm doing now? What am I doing now? I'm holding his head up. You better know it. That's my new profile. Man, how many likes would that get? I mean, that would be all over the place. But that's not what David did. David, in fact, after this battle, do you know what he does? He drifts back. It's completely opposite. And I think one of the reasons is because he understands all of that was God's preparation. But boy, one thing I don't want to miss is God's praise from us. And I don't want to ever stop. I don't want to ever stop praising him. So here we look, look at the first verse. I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. So here's a challenge for us. 
And we're not going to get very far in this one, I don't think, tonight. But let me say this. Here's a challenge for every person here. Find someone this week to tell them how good God's been to you. Okay, and don't don't cop out and say, okay, I'm going to tell my wife. I'll tell my husband. No, I mean somebody that it might be a little bit of an awkward step for you to do so. David didn't care where he was. He said, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. In other words, everywhere he went, he bragged on God. You know what? I don't have any problem telling you about my teams when they're doing well. Now, right now, it's kind of tough. Um, Of course, my team right now, the NFL team, they're the only winless team, which means they're winning the number one draft pick, perhaps. Okay? Some of you don't follow that stuff, so you have no idea what I'm talking about. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay. Five of you. All right. Thank you. But I'll tell you what, if my team was 9-0 and right now and the only undefeated team, I wouldn't have any problem talking about it. Now, they were 9-0 and one time, one time that I remember. In fact, when they were 9-0, and my wife and I and Lauren and Rebecca, we went to a Monday night football game when they were 9-0. and Guess what happened? They were 9-1. and <laughs> So I jinxed them, and then the rest is history. But boy, if, if, man, if they were 9-0 and right now, only undefeated team, I wouldn't have a problem talking about them. Man, I'd have Bengals socks on, you know? I'd probably have the face paint. No, not really. Not on a Sunday, anyway. And man, I, I, I would have no problem. But what David said is, I, don't, I can't stop talking about the fact that he delivered me. Now, think about this for a moment. Here's David. He's in shepherd's garments. He's got five rocks. He's looking at a guy who has a coat of armor on, a sword, a helmet, brass. He just, I mean, this guy is just, he, he, he's basically impregnable. I mean, you, you can't even touch this guy. Except he's got this one spot right here, and we're going to find out about that. So David says, man, I, I just look at how magnificent God's victory was in my life. And I can't stop talking about it. Now, to a far greater degree spiritually, that's what each and every one of us are. Because the fact is, we ought to be in hell. You know, I, I said it uh, two weeks ago. Sometimes people you know, have said, you know, about Kanye West getting saved. And, and I just want to say this. I, I hope he did. I have no reason to think he didn't. And I'm, I'm glad people weren't sitting around watching me trying to figure it out if I really meant it or not either. But I'll tell you this. I'm not really as surprised that God would save Kanye. I'm shocked he'd save me. And so I, I, I want to have that understanding about God's grace, mercy, and long-suffering that God would deliver me from hell. Because I know where I should be. I, I'm not that good a guy. I'm a sorry, rotten, wretched sinner that ought to be in hell. And God in His mercy said... I'm going to take care of that for you. So David, we we learn from the story of David and Goliath, we learn God's preparation, then we learn, secondly, God's praise. Then, notice in Psalm 90, verse. I think we're going to look at verse 3 and 4, when mine enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. But when the fullness of the time was come, this is from Galatians, by the way, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. And so you notice in both of those verses, you see the word when. 
And so it's very important to understand not only God's preparation, God's praise, but the third thing is God's promptness. God is always on time in our lives. We always get rushed. We always get disappointed. And it doesn't matter what it is. We, it, we have a drive-through mentality about everything. And I don't, you know, I don't like the drive-throughs very much. My girls know it's true. We especially are sure with McDonald's, and I'm not trying to pick on them because their Diet Coke is good. It's better inside anyway. But when you, when you pull into that drive-through at night, bring a pillow. I was telling you, it's worse. It really, how many of you have ever been through there at night and you know what I'm talking about? There you go. I got some witnesses. And I just don't like waiting for anything. So I'll pull in. I'll say, we're not going to the drive-thru. I'm going to go inside. So, and I go inside. And I'm one of those guys, when I go in, I want to see where I would have been in the drive-thru line. Does anybody else do that? Do you do, you do that? Come on. Uh, come on. Am I? Three of us? How many of you do that? Now, be honest. Come on. Put those hands up and don't leave me hanging. All right. That's a little more like it. And the rest of you, you're lying. But anyway, so I will look and I'll say, red pickup truck. I would have been right behind that red pickup truck. And so as I'm going in, I'll even look out the window and see if he's anywhere close. Then I want to pull out and I get in the car and I look and I see that red pickup truck still in there. I was like, yes, score one for me. I mean, that's how I feel. But the reason is, one, competitive, I suppose. But the other reason is I hate waiting. I, I don't like waiting for anything. If I go to a store and I don't need something desperately and there's a huge line, I'll put it back. I, just, I, I don't want to wait. That's, that's just me. And I'm sure I'm not alone in it. And to a greater degree, when it comes to answers to prayer, I want it now. And I don't, want you, I don't just want an answer. I want the answer that I want. I don't want God to just answer my request. I want, answer, I want an answer in my fashion. See, what David is praising here, he's, he's understanding everything about my life has been God's preparation. I don't want to stop praising him, but also realize it's God's timing. Can you imagine if there had been some other soldier that would have came forward? He would have probably been remembered in Jewish history as a brave guy who was a nut. But not David, because that was God's timing. You know, a lot of times in our life, look at me, look at me, come on, come on, look up here. You young people look this way. I, I won't be long, all right? So, but, but pay attention if you would. You know, a lot of times in life, there are things that we want and things that we want to happen, and God says, wait, just, just hang on. A lot of the things that we pursue in this life that, that are not bad things to be pursuing, but it, it's God saying, hang on, my timing. That's why when the Bible says, but when the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son. It was all in God's calendar. And a lot of things that we're after in life, they're not bad things, but in God's calendar, it's hang on, it's wait. We don't like waiting. We get so impatient and I'm here to tell you, that's me and that's my life. But David knew in God's timing, he's never late, he's never early, he's always on time. You have the story of Lazarus in the New Testament. Here he was, and Lazarus' sister begins to rebuke God. By the way, it's always marveled me, he let her. God puts up with a lot from you and me. But he let her. She said, if to him, you had been here. I'll paraphrase, forgive me. If you'd been here, this wouldn't have happened. It would have been, would have been differently. If you would have just been here in your place, you could have prevented this from happening. He didn't rebuke her. 
He let her say it. Now, I don't think you ought to be arrogant in your prayer to God, but I do think God wants to hear the desires of your heart. And she's, she's desperate. My brother died, and you could have stopped it. And he let her say it. But then we also understand he came when he did for a purpose. And by the way, it was an even better story. To recover from sickness is pretty good. Raised from the dead? Mm, that's taking it up a little. You talk about a story Lazarus had to tell. You talk about a testimony that they had for the rest of their life. In fact, we're still talking about it 2,000 years removed. Here was a guy who was, you know, he was dead. He wasn't mostly dead. Sorry about that. That was one of those rabbits I chased, okay? If you have no idea what I'm talking about, that's okay too. He was totally dead. Some of you are smiling. You're with me. Okay, thank you very much. Um, And so, man, he was gone. And so God delivered in his time his way, and it worked far better. And so, um, understand this in your life. You might be sitting there very impatient and tired of waiting on God. I was talking to a lady. My wife will remember this lady. She was a, she was, we visited her in a nursing home. She passed away many years ago, but this was when we were in Kentucky, and she had never married. She was 90 years of age. And uh, she, she said, well, I, I always waited and she said, but I, I learned this. And she would say to my wife and I, every time we'd come, the girls would come and sing and we'd visit her. And she said, it was better to be singly blessed than doubly cursed. And she said she just decided to live that way. And so she, she never married, lived into her 90s. But she also said this, she didn't want to make a mistake early in life by trying to rush into something. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying whether, or, you know, I'm just, I'm just using that as an example. <clears throat> but I know that many times in life, We think, well, I want this to happen, and I want it to happen now. And God says, hang on. Nobody heard it. That's okay. When Rebecca was diagnosed with cancer, you know what I want God to do? My honest prayer was, God, let the doctors open her up and say we couldn't find anything. It was gone. There was, there was another young child that, we were, that was going through chemo on the same cycle as Rebecca was. And I remember hearing them tell, tell their story about when the, the, the doctors opened her up to remove the tumor, it literally fell into their hands. They didn't, there was very little in the way of resection. And I'm thinking, can I have that testimony? And God said, no. That's not how I'm doing this one. We want it always like we want it when we want it. And God says, can I be God That's what God says. If you'll let me take control and you'll let me work things out according to my will, it's far better. You know, when we say Romans 8.28, we quote it all the time, or sometimes we'll just throw it out there like that's the blanket for everything. Romans 8.28, still in the book. Romans 8.28 is, is a collective corporate blessing because the verse says, and we know that all things work together for good, for them. You see, when God, when God did that to Joseph, it, it worked good for Joseph in the end, but there was a whole lot of booger stuff in the middle. A whole lot. And so that's why Joseph got on the other side of it and said, God meant it for good. See, what, what happens in God's kingdom, in God's providence, is for the benefit and blessing of all of us. But here's David, and he says, boy, he said, I'll tell you, he said, I see God's preparation. I want to give God's praise. And then I notice God's prompting. Then fourthly, let me say this very quickly, God's presence. 
God's presence. Notice what he said, when mine enemies, we're in verse 3 now. When mine enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. Then uh, notice uh, Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, parallel passage, be strong and of good courage, fear not, nor be afraid of them, for the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. David knew that if I had God's presence in my life, everything was going to be okay. How in the world does a shepherd boy step on the plane that day? Knowing that the challenge is, whoever wins this one-on-one, his entire nation, he was talking about his family. He was talking about everybody that he knew and loved would be servants to the Philistines. It wasn't just a little, you know, hey, if I lose, okay, I'm out of here. See you later. You know, it was fun while it lasted. That's not what he's thinking. He said, God's going to do this because I have God's presence. So you see in, in 1 Samuel 17 and the writing in Psalm 9, God's preparation, God's praise, God's promptness, God's presence. Then may I say this fifthly, and I'm trying to hustle through here. You see God's performance because God always delivers. Notice what he said in uh, verse number 5 and 6. Thou hast rebuked the heathen. Thou hast destroyed the wicked. Thou hast put out their name forever and ever. O thou enemy, destructions are come to a perpetual end, and thou hast destroyed cities. Their memorial is perished with them. In other words, God said, he said about God, he said, I'm going to praise him for what he's done. And I tell you this, their end, they're finished, they're toast. By the way, we say this oftentimes, I've read the back of the book and we win. But the fact is, in this life, in this life, you know this, we're more than conquerors. Oh, I know that verse. But no, really, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We already have the victory. We sing the song, faith is the victory that overcome the world. But do we really believe it? Do we really live it? And so David is saying, man, I want to tell you something. God's performance is amazing. I was, uh, I was at the doctor's office this week and having a, a procedure done on my, on my knees and, uh, while, while I was there. So I started talking to the doctor. But I, 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 the reason I said this, so I told him about Rebecca. And I always try to squeeze that in for this reason. I promised the Lord a long time ago, I said, if you, if you, will, ever, if you will heal her, Every chance I get, I'll tell people. And this guy, I could tell he wasn't real keen on the story about God's mercy, but I told him, I said, God was very merciful to her and healed her and so on and so forth. And I, I want to put the Lord out there. You say, what am I doing? Same thing David was doing. Same thing you ought to do. Same thing we ought to do. I always do it? No, no, no. But we should because David said, man, I got to tell you, this was awesome. I just killed a giant, but he never said that. This was awesome. Look what God did. And he destroyed. He, he wiped them off the face of the earth, the Philistines. They became servants at that point. And he said, God is finishing this work in their lives. Because he knew it wasn't just God's preparation, but he wanted to make sure God got the praise. He was, he, he was admiring God's promptness, God's presence, and God's performance. Hey, listen, whatever's happening in your life and you think, man, I'm not sure if I can get through this, understand this. God's pretty powerful. There's nothing too hard for God. God's ear is, is, is in tune to you. His arm is not heavy that it cannot save. I mean, God can take care of whatever's happening in our lives. Usually what happens is we wait until, okay, I've tried everything else. We see this, the sign or bumper sticker from time to time, and it says, when all else fails, pray. You know, it's a really kind of foolish way to live. I don't want to just, well, okay, I'm going to try everything else and then go to God. And I've done that before. But the fact is, God doesn't want us to come to Him that way. 
When David stepped out on the plane, he didn't throw the first one and say, well, I better pray now. I hope it worked. He knew. He said, I'm going out, and I realize that I'm against this guy, but I come in the name of the Lord. So he saw God's performance. Then notice this, verse 9. And uh, verse 10, powerful verses, the Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. The next thing we see is God's promises. Because he said, hey, listen, he said, this is going to be a testimony. And here's proof. We're talking about the story thousands of years later of what God did with a little boy on a field, on a field of battle thousands of years ago in a land far away, in a time forgotten by most, because of God's promise to deliver. You know, we get over in the New Testament, we hear the same thing. Paul says, God already has delivered, God is delivering, and God will deliver. Don't let your faith be shattered. Don't let it be uh, shaken by, by things that go on in the world. Sometimes we get, we get all shook up and we, we feel like, well, you know, I know God can, I'm not sure that He will. David said, no, I, I know His promises. And I've seen the evidence of his work in my life. I know what he did that day for me. I know that he delivered me out of the hand of the lion. I know that he delivered me out of the hand of the bear. And I know that he delivered me and all of Israel from the giant Goliath. He said, because those are God's promises. A promise of refuge, a promise of trust, and a promise that I'd never be forsaken. That's a great reminder for each and every one of us. Then I hasten to the last one, and that is God's power. He mentioned several things here very, very quickly, and I'll be done. Notice verse, verse number two. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. You have to understand who God is. To thou most high. Then notice further in that same passage, Psalm 9, verse number 16. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executed. The wicked is snared the works of his own hands. Hagayon, Selah, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. And then notice verse number 27 in Jeremiah. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And the last thought from that entire psalm, David's journey through the psalm, the giant slayer, is don't forget this about God. God's power. God's powerful. Now I say that, and we'll close with this thought. Whatever you're facing, Whatever is happening in your life, you might think, man, I don't know if I can get through this. I don't know if I can handle this. This is beyond me. You know, we've got people having surgeries and people with diagnosis and people with all difficulties financially and people with relationship issues and struggles in the home, all kinds of things, job situations. Everybody in here, we could start from the front and go all the way back. Everybody's got something. And David says, I want to remind you that what happened on the Valley of Elah was a giant felled by a little boy who put his faith in an all-powerful God. That giant slayer understood God was preparing me. I don't want to stop praising him for his promptness because of his presence and never underestimating his performance and his promises because of his great power. That's who the God was that delivered David. And that, my friends, is the same God that you have access to in your life. Sometimes we think, well, well, that's an Old Testament story. No, 
Let me ask you this, and I'll be done. Do you think God no longer wants to do for you? Because that's not who God is. God 